Let's turn our Bibles to Galatians this morning. We were blessed to spend the day with the Saddlers yesterday up in Franklin, Tennessee. The Saddlers, some of you will remember, some not. They, they were here. Dave took a job up in uh, south of Nashville and have been uh, living up there, although they still, re- they still consider central their church. Even though they're, they're attending up there and they've, they've had a, a, a baby, he's about five months, and said, well, we want to have him baptized at Central because that's our church. Um, and they're hoping that they, they can find a job in Huntsville and come back to Huntsville because they really like Huntsville. They like Huntsville. They really like you, all you out here, really. So if you were able, would you stand with me? And Galatians chapter 5. This is where we've been for the past few weeks and where we'll be for a couple more. Uh, I'll read Galatians 5, 22 through the end of the chapter. Heavenly Father, come upon us with your Holy Spirit today. We ask that our eyes would be open, that we might not just read the words and hear the words, but know that they are from you and that they would penetrate our heart, that the fruit that you call us to have enable us to have and empower us to have might be clearly demonstrated in our lives. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. So Galatians 5, and following. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become boastful, challenging one another, envying one another. This is God's inspired word for us today. So please be seated. Patience. We're into the area of the fruit of the Spirit that, that we start to meddle in people's lives with, okay? Um, because some of us are patient and some of us are less patient. Some of us have patience in in particular areas, and some of us find that we don't have patience in particular areas any longer, like we used to, and we wonder why. I mean, uh, why don't I want to be around junior highs anymore? I, I don't understand it, okay? Um, uh, you know, there's something like that, or, or, or why is it that, uh, uh, you know, when I, when I take my car for a 30-minute oil change and it's been 35 minutes, I'm up pacing in the waiting room. I, you know, why does that happen? But in, on the flip side, sometimes we, we demonstrate just immense patience um, in, in, in certain situations and we wonder, why? how can I be so patient here? And, but, but I'm not patient over here. So we're going to work on that today. Now, in traditional societies with long histories, I mean, our history is long. It's, what's the math, 237, 39 years? I was in the neighborhood at least, okay? Um, we have a relatively short history. When you go to histories such as like for cultures like China, they have their history and culture goes back many, many hundreds and even thousands of years. And, and they take a different view about the world because they seem to have a little bit more patience in, and view their society as it will last uh, and, and we're going to change the world or, or work our society in a certain way. And it comes out in their, their, um, their stories. Let me read a little story for you here. 
In Chinese culture, there's an ancient story about a farmer who lived on one side of a huge mountain, and his fields that he cultivated were on the other side of this very large mountain. So every morning, he and his sons would get up, and they would walk all the way around the mountain and work, and then when they were done, they'd come back, walk all the way back around the mountain, and, and come home. So one day, the old man convinced his sons to start digging away at the mountain. And so his neighbors looked at him and said, are you crazy? I mean, your sons will never take away the mountain. Your grandsons, your great-grandsons, I mean, this is, this is folly. And, and the old man replied that even though the mountain couldn't be moved in his lifetime or the lifetime of his immediate uh, generations, over, his time, over time his family would eliminate this obstacle and make their lives less difficult if only they would persevere. So this realization of the need to be patient in achieving one's goals, it's not just uh, isolated in, in those types of cultures. There are others. So Rome wasn't built in a day, okay, something like that. But the United States, we seem to be a little bit more time sensitive. We want to learn Spanish, what, in 10 minutes a day. Boom, boom, boom. I don't want to spend more. You know, just think if we, if we reduce that 10 minutes a day, how many languages could you learn this year by just spending 10 minutes each day? You could learn Spanish and Greek and Hebrew would take 20, uh, I'm pretty sure, okay? But uh, sometimes we, we demonstrate patience for a long period of time, and then the dam breaks, so to speak, and it's like our, our chance to, to dive in, and we see people that have been demonstrating this patience and kind of on a slow burn, working away at it, working away at it, and all of a sudden the, the gates are open and they take advantage of it. We wonder, how did this happen? How did all of a sudden all these changes take place? Well, they have been working on them for years and years and years, and all of a sudden now it's Katie bar the door because the gates are open and it can happen. When we look at, at Scripture, and in particular Galatians 5, we find a list in the fruit of the Spirit and, and in the previous list before it, those, the vice list that is there, um, um, the deeds of the flesh okay, are evident. Immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealous, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. So there are more to the list. So you've got the, the vice list and then you've got the fruit of the Spirit. Well, for some of us, it's nice to know what I shouldn't do and what I should do, okay? Because we like that kind of structure. I, oh, oh, is this right to do or is this wrong to do? What should, I, what should I do here? So we look at this portion of Scripture and we say, ah, those are the things I need to avoid and these are the things that I need to have manifest in my life. Well, that's one way to look at it. Another way to look at it is, is through the eyes of our total depravity, okay? Now, I'm a big total depravity kind of guy. Uh, I, I think that's an important doctrine that we have to understand. And total depravity doesn't mean I'm as bad as I could be. I, I can be worse, okay? But it means from my head to my toes, everything is touched by sin, tainted by sin, okay? So unless the Lord comes and moves in my life, I can't get to Him. And in fact, I will think of myself first and foremost. That's part of total depravity. So if I look at this list with, with those kind of eyes, there's a great danger here to this list. Okay? Because I can think if I do the right things and don't do the wrong things, God and I will be what? 
we'll be, I'll be in good standing. I'll be tight with the Lord. And, and instead of seeking a transformed life, I will say, no, i got a problem with pride. Okay? But, but Paul says that I should focus on faithfulness and gentleness. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to be gentle. And when I have demonstrated those things, what do I feel? I feel proud that I've done them, okay? <laughs> so, so that's what happens. So instead of getting rid of helping get overcome my depravity, I have used the, the Word of God to really heighten my depravity. I've become prouder that I'm more faithful and I'm more gentle. And, uh, okay, you see the problem that, that could take place here. So a list of virtues, if we look at them the wrong way, may, may not be virtues to us. We want transformed lives, and that's what Paul is very much aware of. He's very much aware that, that moral teaching, the do's and don'ts that we find in Scripture, um, can be used just like Old Testament law to justify certain behaviors and to justify my standing before the Lord. You know, I don't do this, so the Lord must love me. No, that's not what he says. He wants us to have transformed lives. In fact, there was a group of Judaizers that kind of followed Paul as he went around planting churches, and they would stir the pot, saying, no, no, you've got to, you've got to go back to the law. You've got to follow the law. And Paul is preaching this message of grace and forgiveness and a transformed life. And out of that transformed life comes this fruit of the Spirit. And the Judaizers was going, were going, no, you have to live this way for God to love you. And Paul was saying, no, we're free from that. We are transformed, and because we are transformed and free, now we live in obedience to the Word. So let's look at this particular word for today, patience. Um, patience, long-suffering, the Greek emphasizes the steadfastness, uh, staying power, its ability to put up with others without being easily offended. Um, the Greek word is a compound of two words of long and of temper. So it's like having a long fuse, uh, waiting without complaint. Uh, how many of you can wait without complaining? Are you good waiters? Uh, <laughs> if you go, uh, okay, uh, it's, it's Friday night. It's in August, and you, you look at your spouse. You get, hey, let's go out to dinner. All right, where do you want to go? Well, let's, let's go down to Bonefish. Okay, and you go to Bonefish, and the, hour, and the wait's an hour and ten minutes. Are, are you going over to Jason's Cafe because you don't want to wait an hour? Okay, okay. How about let's, 20 minutes? Will you wait 20 minutes? It's Bang Bang Shrimp. Okay, that's pretty good. Okay. See, I'm sorry. I got only so much patience, okay? We were, sorry to diverge, we were at... Uh, Chili's one night. This is a while ago, and you get those those little things that you hold, and when your time is is at hand, it vibrates and rings. Well, we sat there, and um, we sat there, and it wasn't going to be a long wait. And and we're sitting there, and every once in a while they look over at us as if, why are they still sitting there? Well, we were there almost an hour, and finally somebody comes over to us, and says, "Why haven't you come up?" And we said, "Well, we're waiting for our thingy to go off." And it never went off. Oh, they were very apologetic because we should have only been there for 10 minutes. But we sat there for an hour. Now, what's that say? Are we very patient? Um, were we just really set on chilies? I don't know. 
we got a free appetizer. Okay, so we're good with that. Okay. So here we have patience is, is waiting without complaint, but patience is not a virtue that stands alone. Okay, it's really a, a it, it, you have to throw in some other virtues to it self control, humility, generosity. So patience isn't a fundamental virtue so much as it is an application and a combination of other virtues. Okay? How can you be, can you be uh, overly proud and be patient? Because if you're proud and somebody goes before you and you're, you're, you're not demonstrating long-suffering, you're going to go what? You're going to get uppity and you're going to go, why are they going before me? It's tough to be proud and be patient. So patience is an, it's an application and a combination of other virtues. Patience can also mean slow to wrath, slow to wrath, and it's used in this particular way referring to God, obviously. Turn over to Romans chapter 9. Now, slow to wrath in, in the Hebrew, the, the patience, it literally means long nostrils, long nostrils, um, because if you think about it, you, you kind of go... Like that. You ever seen a bull when it gets worked up and it snorts? Well, that's that's the the image that you get from the Hebrew word of long nostrils. Um, uh, that's where anger is vented. Psalm eighty six refers to that. And we think of a couple examples: uh, God's patience um, uh, with the people, as demonstrated up until the point of Noah. And then He says, "Well, I'm going to destroy these people. All they, all they think about is sin all the time. But I'm going to save Noah out." Or Jonah, when he's called to go to Nineveh, and, and Jonah recognizes God's patience. He says, For I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger, and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. I mean, that's one of the reasons Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh, because he knew that if he goes there and preaches the message of God, those people are going to repent, and what's God going to do? He's going to save them. And Jonah really didn't like the people at Nineveh. Well, God's patience is also demonstrated to us in the fact that he postpones judgment. Romans chapter 9, verse 22. And my, my whole life was changed. It had one of those moments. Uh, it was in, in Pennsylvania, and John Gerstner was preaching on the sovereignty of God and the problem of evil. And he preached out of this passage, chapter 9 of Romans. And, and it really changed my entire understanding of the sovereignty of God when he got to this passage in particular. Verse 22. What if God, although willing to demonstrate his wrath and make his power known, endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction? He bears with patience those vessels of wrath which are prepared for destruction. Okay? That is their purpose, destruction. Why does he do this? Verse 23, he did so in order that he might make known the riches of his glory upon the vessels of mercy which he prepared beforehand. So God bears with patience the non-believing world, the world that will never believe. They've been prepared for destruction. Who are they? That's not our job. That's, that's the Lord's job. Our job is to assume everybody we share the gospel with will come, will repent, will believe, and their life will be changed. We must assume that they are vessels of mercy. But he bears with patience them 
so that his glory might be demonstrated to us. Remember Jonathan Edwards' sermon? You know, hold the spider like over a, you know, dangling over the furnace. Lord prepares us. That's, that's you know, that's, that's, he's just kind of waiting. He, he, he holds the spider there and, and the Lord bears with patience until the fullness of time when he might demonstrate his mercy to the vessels of mercy. Turn back a couple pages to chapter 2 of Romans. Verse 4. It's his patience that helps lead us to repentance. It is God's patience that helps to lead us to repentance. Chapter 2, verse 4. Or do you not think lightly of the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? He bears with us this time. How long did it take for you the first time you heard the gospel till you actually believed, till your life was completely changed by the gospel? How long has it been uh, since you, at that moment of belief, that it has taken you to begin to mature and begin to grow in the things of grace and mercy. God's patience is demonstrated here. God's patience completely changes lives. First Timothy says this, this saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am foremost. But I receive mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. Now, remember how patient Jesus was with Paul. How many years did he go around trying to wipe out the church before, in the fullness of time, Christ came to him? He said, Nevertheless, for this cause I obtained mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all patience for a pattern to them who should thereafter believe in him. Jesus was very patient with his disciples. I mean, they weren't, weren't the brightest bulbs, okay? A lot of times they, they would, you know, I could just see Jesus scratching his head. And he, often he would say rhetorically, how long will it be until you believe? Okay, you of little faith, do you not understand this? You've seen the miracles, you've heard the teaching, but you still don't get it. But he was patient with them bringing them along, helping them to grow. We see in Scripture many instances. We see in Job's life, uh, his wife, after his suffering, and during the midst of his suffering, says, Curse God and die. And Job says, You speak as one of the foolish women would speak. Shall we receive good from God and not evil? Though he slay me, I will hope in him. He was patient with God. God was working in Job's life. Job was going to be patient with the Lord. We have the prophet Jeremiah. He preached for 40 years. And who listened to him? Nobody. Nobody. Okay? They, imagine that. You go through the country preaching that it's time to repent, preaching that the judgment of the Lord is coming. Nobody cares. They ridiculed Jeremiah. You have Moses. His job was to get these couple million slaves out of the country. God was going to watch over, demonstrate his miraculous power, and what did they do? Oh, they complained. We used to have onion and garlic back in Egypt. Can't we go back? Why are we out here in the desert? All we get is this manna, day after day after day. Moses was patient with them. 
As believers, we are called to exhibit patience. Colossians 3 says, Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, tender mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, and patience. And patience. Also Ephesians, Timothy. Now, there are several types of patience. Now, there are more than what I have listed here, but I just came up with several types of patience. The first type I, I, I came up with was when you face a nuisance of some kind, a nuisance of some kind. Maybe a set of, maybe a person or a set of circumstances really irritates you, and you'd love to complain about it. You come home, and 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 you'd say, "Oh man, you should have seen what happened today." And this guy just drove me crazy because he was just so he was just pokey. He wasn't he wasn't doing what I wanted to. And the Lord says, that's a type of patience that you can demonstrate. Okay? It used to drive me, you know, crazy when I would get on two-lane roads and get behind somebody who drove slower than I did. Okay? But after so many times, I was convinced that the Lord had a purpose in that, that I should not be tearing off down the road because uh, uh, police... A uh, cow, as I came across a cow one day on the road, and if I'd been going fast, I'd have just had hamburger, okay? But, but the person in front of me was nice and slow. Okay, what good will it do to complain about things that you can't change? Well, that's an opportunity to demonstrate patience. That's the first kind. A second kind is, is, a, is, is kind of different, but it's patience when you are suffering boredom or tedium, okay? Maybe part of your job is very, very tedious, very boring, and, and you are just stuck with it, and you could complain, and you could moan, but part of exercising patience is understanding that if the Lord has placed you in this position, then even drab routine is important, and you must demonstrate patience within that. Now, a third type, a little bit more serious, more significant is when is patience demonstrated when you suffer patience demonstrated when you suffer might be physically might be psychologically might be mentally emotionally uh, perhaps you're struggling with with a disease maybe you're the caregiver of someone who is who is struggling with a disease or a mental illness or something like that and you are called to demonstrate patience that you thought you could never have or, or, or couldn't even imagine demonstrating it in that fashion. Whether you bear the burden directly or indirectly, you're challenged to bear this patiently. This doesn't mean you shouldn't cry out in your distress. We see lots of times in Scripture where there were uh, people were thrust into situations or, or burdens or sufferings were placed upon them, and they would cry out to the Lord. So we have to decide, well, when do I cry out to the Lord and when when don't I cry out to the Lord? And, and maybe the Lord just wants me to bear this because I don't have enough patience yet, and He wants to work on me. We, we see in the psalmist, Why, O Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Why do you hide your face? Have you forgotten my oppression? Have you forgotten my misery? Say, so I pour out my complaint before you, Lord. Where are you? Okay. So he's, the, 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 the psalmist is kind of, he's had his sufferings up to here, and he's crying out to the Lord. He's borne them with patience, but he can't take it anymore. What about our patience with God? 
every, in every Christian life, we come across times where we have to wait upon God, where He is just not in tune with what we want and our timetable. Because we look at things and we say, these things have to happen, Lord, and He knows perfect timing. God is seldom early, but He's never late. Because His timing is perfect. Maybe it might be having a need that is met. Maybe it might be a job. It might be healing. It might be sense of peace or direction. Um, perhaps you're dealing with assurance and, and are waiting for the Lord to, to confirm in your heart that you are saved, that, that, that you, you have this gnawing sense of guilt in your life for some reason. You're wondering, am I really saved? Have I really been saved? And, and He expects you to exercise faith. Sometimes we have to wait upon God during a trial, during, during a time of suffering. We have to be patient with God. But patience with God, and this is tough, patience with God involves faith. And to exercise faith means to surrender final control of my life to Him. To surrender final control of my life to him. If he made me, if he knows everything about me, if he knows my tomorrow, if he knows my next year and the year after, if he knows my 40 years from now, does he not know what's best for me? Can I not rest in him? Yeah, but Lord, don't you know what's happening? If this doesn't happen on this timetable, I am sunk. He's got what? He's got the whole world in his hand. He's got you and me, brother, or whatever. I can't remember the song. He's got us. We're to bear, we're to be patient with him. But patience with God is a challenge. Because sometimes it's not all that clear whether I'm waiting on God to provide me an answer or has He already provided me an answer and I just don't like the answer or I'm just not sure that that's what He wants me to do yet. It's not been confirmed in my life or confirmed in my heart. Maybe we begin to second guess. Does God really want me to do this? Well, this doesn't make sense. How can I, how can I go off and do this? Sometimes it's unclear what course of action we are to take. What about society as a whole? You know, we pray for change, that God would come and heal our society, and sometimes we look at it and go, well, it's gotten worse, Lord. Aren't you paying attention? What about when we pray for revival and more and more people mark unaffiliated when it comes to religious things and surveys? They seem to have less faith, not more faith. What's God doing? Why does He get on our schedule? Make it happen. Well, there is no guarantee that God will indeed act to satisfy our desires, right? Because desires are things of our hearts. Most situations that demand patience aren't in regard to the specific promises within God's Word about His character, about the way that He acts. I mean, uh, yes, there are the people who are impatient with knowing when Christ will return, and they come up with all these formulas to figure out when Christ will return. And there's only one in the entire universe that knows when Christ will return. And that's the Father. And He hasn't even told the Son. Even though they're the same essence, the same substance. But He hasn't told the Son. 
He keeps that to himself. He will meet our needs. He hasn't guaranteed to meet our desires. Sometimes when we pray and we're praying for patience that he would meet our desires, what happens to our desires? They, they begin to change. See, that's part of prayer, that, that he is shaping and molding us, maybe making us wait to see that our desires are exactly that, our desires, not our needs, not our wants, not his desire and his will. Okay. How do I get more patience? There's only one way. I mean, there are different methods, but there's only one way, and that is to have your patience stretched. So I went and I found a self-help book from 1930s entitled Strength of Will and How to Develop It by a guy named Barrett. And he said, here are some concrete ways to expand your patience. Scatter 50 coins on the floor, then quietly and slowly pick them up and place them in a pile. He suggests doing this once a day for several days, increasing the number of coins each day. You think, are you kidding me? Throw coins on the floor and pick them up? Take a book of at least 150 pages, turn the page one by one, quietly and slowly, making a pencil mark on each page as you go. And that, that's, that's, that's 30 minutes wasted, right? Beginning with the number one, count out loud slowly and distinctly for 10 minutes. Do this in a room by yourself, okay? Well, okay, those are from the 30s. What about today? Here's your challenge. Go to Publix, okay, with an empty cart. Find somebody who's got a container with, with 100 coupons in it, okay, and get behind them. You know, ideally it would be the person who looks, you know, at every, he goes to the spaghetti sauce place and, and compares the five hundred different types of spaghetti sauce and gets the one that matches the coupon thing they get the best deal on it's going to take them 90 minutes to fill their cart stay behind them the whole time rejoice that god is teaching you patience okay you're gonna to have to put something in your cart okay you, you look like a stalker if you're just an empty cart just falling behind okay does it sound ridiculous and pointless that's how you develop patience you know it, it it's like, well, okay, Randy, you said you, you don't have patience for junior high. Maybe I should just immerse myself in junior high ministry. Somebody's going to die in that, okay? That, you know, those things are gone, okay? But such activities, these things build our patience. Just like weightlifting, jogging, you don't run a marathon right off the bat. You don't go down the gym, get on the weights, and lift 500 pounds right off the bat, okay? It takes time to get there. You develop those muscles. Muscles, we think of patience kind of in the same way. It has to be developed. You think, I don't have the patience to develop patience. No. That's the way you get it. That's the way you get it. I, I don't, there's no magic formula, okay? I, I, I look through Scripture. There's, you could pray for it, and God in his being merciful might just bestow upon you patience. You might be the, the one person in all of eternity that, that it gets patience that way. Maybe. Odds are, go to Publix. You'll get it that way, okay? Let me leave you this one. Let's turn to 1 Peter, chapter 2.
There are believers all over the world who face this on, on just a regular basis. And someday we might face it as well, and we must be ready for it. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 20. And I'm going to paraphrase this one portion. If you're stupid and punished for it, you deserve it. Okay? That's Randy's paraphrase of this first portion. For what credit is there if when you sin you are harshly treated and you endure it with patience? Well, I, you know, I took the punishment and I was patient with it. Well, you deserve the punishment. Okay? But if when you do what is right and suffer for it, you patiently endure it, this finds favor with God. For you have been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps, who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. While being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness, for by his wounds you were healed. So we see in the patience of Christ, we see how we should face suffering for living out the Christian life. Not being stupid, but living out the Christian life. When we're persecuted, we bear it with patience. Why? Because that's the way that Christ bore our sins. For he who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. Let's pray. Lord, patience, yes, is a virtue, but it is something that every believer has, and you call us to develop these nine portions of the fruit of the Spirit. And patience is one of those tough ones. Self-control is even tougher, because we hate that. But patience takes work. And many, many, most of us don't want to run a marathon. We don't want to train to run that long, so we just don't do it. But yet we are commanded to have patience. We are commanded to exercise patience, and we must develop it. Lord, we want to develop it so that when we exercise it, the things of Christ are clearly seen in our lives. So that when the world around us expects us to respond in a certain way, we respond with patience and gentleness, and kindness. And they are taken aback by that, and they are envious of how it is possible that in our lives those things can be demonstrated and seen at such a time as that. That through our example, and then through our chance to share the things of Christ, their eyes too might be opened to how they can know the peace that passes understanding, how they can know the things of Christ that their life might be transformed by His grace and His mercy. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.